Welcome to Live Like an Acrobat. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, two-time world acrobatic gymnastics champion, USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame member, and Cirque artist. I'm also an advocate for RAIN. On each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, I discuss acro handstanding in terms of training tips, coaching, and I explore circus and acrobatic gymnastics competitive life as I have lived it from past to current, and I theorize on what the future may bring in these fields. On each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, I will bring you insight through my own experiences, which are rooted in a perspective built on social justice advocacy and how these important issues continue to intersect between the circus arts and acrobatics competitive world at large. On each episode, I have the pleasure of discussing these various narratives with a variety of fascinating special guests. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. Please consider a donation to encourage the continuation and evolution of this podcast. The details of how to donate are located in the show notes. Please make sure to check out the circuspreneurblog.com for extended conversations and interactive content of each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I am available for handstand private sessions and workshops through aerialfitbodies.com. And in a new announcement, I'm also a Circo certified trainer. Check out Circo.co, a new circus school online international platform where you can learn hand balancing with me and learn so many other circus disciplines from trained circ performers from all over the world. Check out my new vlog series, Think Like an Acrobat, which is available exclusively on Circus Talk as a pro series. It's offering pro tips to professionals within the circus arts industry. On this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, I have the absolute delight of interviewing legendary Mongolian aerial contortionist duo Suvda and Buena, who are known famously as the Contortion Sisters. The Contortion Sisters, or Suvda and Buena, have had a sensational career spanning decades in the international circus arts world and have performed for history-making companies such as Universal Circus, Cirque Dreams on Broadway, special events by Cirque du Soleil, including Reflect, Sand, and Diva, and most recently, they were featured in Cirque du Soleil's touring eye spectacle, Axel. The Contortion Sisters had a defining viral moment on America's Got Talent when Howie Mandel coined the phrase Mongolian belt buckle in their honor. And host Nick Cannon riveted audiences when he became a participant himself and tried the human belt buckle on stage by literally wearing the Contortion Sisters. Please join me as I welcome the fantastic aerial contortionist sister duo affectionately known as the Contortion Sisters. My guests on this week's show are what I like to say the 
true example of the American dream. The Contortion Sisters, known as Sufda and Buena, or known as the Contortion Sisters, came to America from Mongolia as circus artists and worked their way up, have become incredibly successful, have reunited with their family, cared for their families, invested in themselves, created themselves, turned themselves into powerhouse freelancers within the circus arts world. These two very powerful women are to me what it means to immigrate into this country, to figure out how the system works, and then stop at nothing in utilizing that opportunity to the best of your ability, and then to bring your loved ones along for the ride with you. Suvda and Buena are internationally renowned. They come from the brilliant traditions of Mongolian contortion that are legendary within the circus world. And they are innovators, entrepreneurs, brilliant Mongolian women, Mongolian American women who have put their siblings through school, who have, in my perspective, been two artists that I love to see win because they are not only professional, disciplined, but very kind and open and giving. And I think that they are a true testament to what this country is all about and what our country was founded on in America. And their story is uh, very similar to so many people that I have had in my life that gave me everything that I have and that are my close friends, my close circus allies that have been um, so important to my own life journey and to the journeys I know of so many other performers and artists in the world and acrobatic competitors. I have always been very much in awe and have tried to use that exact same understanding myself as someone who, as an American, makes their life all over the world for many years now and I'm so grateful that I was brought up in such a diverse environment such as California where most of my friends when I was growing up were first generation American. I know we don't need to say that. I know that we are all American but I feel like because I also see individuals that make America their home so much 
in my everyday life as a circus artist, for me, it's just very palpable because I see how important it is to the lives of individuals that I am working with and that I become close with and what a privilege it is in many ways to have won the lottery of being born in America because that's really all that it is. It's just outright luck in my opinion. And I think that there is always so much to learn from people that are so brave to leave their country of origin and dare to imagine a different way of life and create the capacities to navigate a world and an environment that they're not familiar with. And these are skills that you learn that you have no choice but to learn as a circus artist. But I do think it does take an even deeper level of resolve to in many ways with individuals in my life have decided to leave their countries of origin and know that they may never be able to go back. And at this point in my life and throughout my career, I've always known that I can come back home and that the border is open to me. And I have not been in the experience as very important people in my life have been where it was decades before they were allowed or could go back to where they were born. So I know that you'll enjoy this episode with the Contortion Sisters, Suvda and Buena. They are so inspiring and they are legend and they have such wonderful personalities and they have great banter as sisters do <laughs> back and forth <laughs> finishing each other's sentences and knowing what each other is going to say and I love that but I think that there is as the upcoming election <clears throat> in America is showing us there is so much to lose by way of seeing America as somewhat limited because the individuals in my life that I know, and I know so many, and what they bring to the world and what they brought to America is so incredibly beautiful. I mean, it's, it's, it's very inspiring. And again, it's what this country is all about, that you can come and you can be whatever you wanna be and that there's opportunity for you here. And I continue to marvel always at the brilliance of the individuals that I know that have made their mark and have transformed their circumstances by coming to America and wanting that so badly. And even in the midst of a very imperfect America, because America is not perfect, no country is perfect. And it's also, I have been witness to that as well with individuals navigating the imperfection of that American dream. But to me, there's so much at stake coming up in this upcoming election. And so many people that are close to me and have been close to me my entire life, a lot of who they are moving forward depends on how we vote and how we decide who is American and who has access to this dream, which I think is entitled and should be given to every single person on this planet.
Subta. Hi, Bueno. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming on today. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having us. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to speak to you both and to have you on the show. You are the Contortion Sisters, and you're so fantastic, and you're both so amazing and so beautiful. And I'm just like really grateful yeah. that you are on the show today. And I just think that you're both like the hardest working sisters, like in circus. Are you doing? Like you're you're so inspiring. Like you are just like two people that like I just always like want to win. Whenever I see you doing something, I'm like, yes, like every opportunity. I just like I always get very excited. And because you're just you're just like not just hardworking, but you're just like such like lovely human beings and you're just really, really beautiful people. So I just um yeah, I'm always just very inspired since we met. And um I wanna tell like the listeners that we started working together. We met working for Cirque Dreams at the Rebel Casino, remember, <laughs> in Atlantic City. Uh-huh. Was back in 2011, right? Mm. Yeah, uh, around there. I think it was a little bit later, right? Maybe like 2000. I think 13. Yeah, like 2013. I think, yeah, around that time. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Time, I think time around go- there. Yeah. Do you do you do you both remember when we drove in that crazy rainstorm to audition for Pippin? Oh do you my god. That? And all of our phone was the alarm would keep going on. The what they call it, the alarm thing. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, we Yeah, that was that was crazy. <laughs> yes. The flooding yes. everywhere. Yes. The and Amber Suta was driving. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> Oh, yes. You guys talk about that story, me driving in the storm to New York. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I can't believe like we made it through that. I know it was so insane. I can't believe yeah. like we survived that. Like we had our weekends off to go from Atlantic City when we were doing our tour, our, our show at the Revel. And then on the weekends, we would go to mm. New York, like obviously for fun. But this time we were going to audition for Pippin um, at the Pippin, time. Yeah. Because they were doing mm-hmm. like a new casting for like one section of the show. And we were like, we are going to go. But it was like the worst time to have been going there. Yes. But it was fun because we ended up watching the show. Yeah. But once we get there, everything went so smooth and we they gave us free ticket to see the show. And we had a good day that after that. Yeah, I know. It was pretty magical, right? Like the fact that we got to see the show, the fact that it ended up being a really beautiful day. We had like really good auditions for Pippin too. Like everything ended up working out. I just, I I think that's like pretty like remarkable, but like I never forgot that story and like that trip with you both. Like it just (laughs) really like cemented that like that contract for me. So I had so much fun like when I met you both that time and working with you. And like I said, you were both always so professional, so disciplined you are like the easiest circus performers and people to work with and yeah we just had like such a great time like running around New York and having fun and it was yeah it was obviously like a different time but we just I feel like we really like yeah we took in that experience and we like bonded and connected so it was it was it was pretty special 
Yeah, it was same same to you, and it was uh, so fun, so much fun working with you, and uh, how sexy you were on stage. You know, I think your act was the most sexy in the show with your yeah. high heel, you know, <laughs> with your hat. <laughs> yeah, oh, my, my my little personality. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, my, my little personality. We really enjoyed working with you, and uh, the audience always wowed after your act. And we can hear your applause from the audience, and the guys, especially guys, were like, you know, going crazy <laughs> over you. <laughs> and it was, it was a show. Also, we all had to like more flirty during our acts. Remember. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like we had to take it there. Like they really wanted us to like zhuzh it up for that show. So I think we all like yeah. got got extra sexy for that one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you guys were so cute, and you're so cute. I just like I just adore you. That was like yeah. So even sometimes I was like a little bit even like shy in that show. I, people can't even imagine me shy, but like sometimes like I even got shy for myself. <laughs> No, I think you might be was uh, shy from the finale. Remember, we had to come on stage with the can and had to do a little a uh, dance routine for the finale. <laughs> oh maybe, my gosh! Maybe, yeah, that was the funniest part ever <laughs> for us. Oh my to, gosh! Like line up. Yep. Yeah, that was hilarious. That was really funny. I remember all of us being a little bit like, "Oh, here we go again." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bring it all bring it all together at the end but at least we had like at least we had each other but yeah it was fun because it was just such like a light show and we could get away with doing like all sorts of things kind of like out of character and I really loved the show for that too and it was like a really intimate theater and it was like a small show I like that too the public was, was, was like super mm-hmm. close to us so I think it was like it was like one of like my favorite setups for a show too I really love shows like that so I thought it was like really really perfect yes yeah. i agree oh yeah so you are both like um you're performing right now in montreal um on the weekends did you you perform this weekend right like and you're performing outside yeah we just, yeah, yeah we just, the weather just happened to be really nice this past weekend so it was really good uh to do a show outside and see the crowd so that was really nice Oh, that's yes. so great. And the show set up was like front of the church and uh, there was a stage set up uh, and even we had lights and everything. So for the people who walking on the street, it's like a main big street and uh, people just walk by walking and they happen to see the show and everybody stop and watch the show. They really, really surprised there was a show going on. And for sure, everybody enjoyed the show. And uh, sadly, they, the Canada just come out with the rule for 28 day um, confining now uh, yeah. that, that we have to quarantine. There's no show. There's lots of restaurants is closing back. And you cannot invite anyone in your house. But schools and everything, gym, I think they're going to stay open. So I'm be happy that we're doing the show. We did the show before all this happening again. Yeah. Oh no. Because <laughs> I guess the second wave is happening right now, so they went to like red line. So I guess uh, the 
number of the COVID is like going up. So they're like, we're shutting it down for 28 days. So. Oh, wow. Yep. Well, I'm glad that you got to perform for like a little bit at least before yeah. all of that happened. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like it's everything right now, at least being able to access and perform a little bit. But uh, I know it's mm-hmm. like everyone's trying to work around everything. And you guys even figured out like the show is like outside. It's like, you know, Montreal. I love Montreal like during the summer. And I love Montreal mm-hmm. even during this time before it gets like super outside because yeah after a certain point too in Montreal it's like so snowy and so cold and <laughs> you can't you can't do anything yeah. outside <laughs> yeah so we were yeah. so happy that uh, the uh, Monastar Cabaret show the company hired us to do the show we're like yes of course and all the cast members and we we had a, such a good time and we just don't want to leave the stage for real it, w- it was the one of the missed uh, moment yeah mm. and you were just obviously you were just doing your contortion act because you guys also have your aerial sphere act so was it just like all ground acts in in the show that you did in montreal no they did the outside rig so we were able to do our aerial act also oh really yeah so we did oh. both of our acts Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that makes me even uh, happier for you both. I love, I love that also too. And we're going to talk about that when I, when we, when I ask you a little bit more about like your training and everything. But to me, you guys have always been really unique in the fact that you do obviously Mongolian contortion, but that you also do aerial. And I've seen like more like contortionists start to try to do more aerial, but for me, you were both like the first ones that I've seen that like did that, like even in a show and to like commit mm-hmm. to two like really like high caliber numbers. I just really, I love you both for that. So I wanted to start and take it from the beginning and ask you both, Suda and Buena, how was it being born and raised in Mongolia? And how did you start training contortion? You want to mm. take this one, Suda? <laughs> sure. Well, since I'm the oldest, <laughs> um, I I was the oldest in the family. I I am still. <laughs> I definitely was the tryout kid, so I will try Hello? everything when my parents want me to try, like play piano, try rhythmic gymnastic, try circus. So the circus the private contortion training end up stick with me the longest. And then my sister joined me when she was six, but I used to like babysit her once in a while and just take her with me to training. And uh, one of the coach asked me, why is your sister sitting here doing nothing? Have her try contortion. And sure. And Boyna just tried and she definitely learning so fast. She was faster than me. Yeah. So um, I just followed her and I continued following her until today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She literally followed me and stuck with me forever. (laughs) 
I just, I love that. And I love that you both have each other as well, you know, like too, like in this business. I was always like really sad that me and my sister, because, you know, we competed in acrobatics, but we didn't end up performing together. And I was always really sad that my sister like didn't mm. stay in it. And then also to my brother, he like trained in acrobatics. And I was like, we could have like had our own act together and always been yeah. together. And, you know, because I feel like it's so important to have like an ally that's like your family. Like my like first duo partner, like he was, you know, like more or less like like my family. But I think it's really important to have somebody in your corner all the time. I think it just like really changes like how you are in this business and you have like a different level of protection. There's always somebody there that you know that you know that's going to have your back. Like I think that's really special that you guys, you know, have been able to navigate and stay together. And so I wanted to also ask back to your training in contortion, like what was your training process like in Mongolia? And what are some of the things that people think about Mongolian contortion that are not true or maybe that you hear that doesn't really like represent your experience? And to also put inside of that another little question, did you both start training aerial like when you were learning contortion too or did you start doing that like later on? No, as a contortionist in Mongolia, the culture of contortion grew since way back in the day when only three contortion ladies they learned from Russia, I think, and uh, one of the uh, the ladies was our teacher, and she was quite older when we started doing contortion, and she taught everything that we know of basic contortion. And then one day we had, I started performing when I was 12, and uh, my first contract was in Russia for 14 days. And then I went to Germany, but the Germany contract didn't work out because my teacher decided to take a train instead of a plane. So because of that, we were late to get to the show. And because we were late, they didn't accept us to join the show. So we have to take the train back to Mongolia. That was my second uh, trip. And then I went to Italy, did shows, and I did uh, also back to Germany. And all this was training, I mean, uh, performing back and forward uh, happened from 12 to 18 year old. And Boina did performing, you can say, <laughs> tell your story, sis. <laughs> oh, no, I was thinking I was going to tell it. <laughs> well, <laughs> I started performing around like 12 also in Mongolia. Then I went to Japan for a small gig and China, like like a summer gig. And so during this time, like me and Soda, we were like separately doing shows. We weren't like together yet. And when I turned like 13, almost 14, uh, there's a company called Unur Soul Circus. And they offered us uh, the contract because we were sisters. They wanted like you know, sisters together. So we got to come here in U.S. and perform with that company for quite a while. For almost three so, years. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Um, the special uh, thing with, with this contract was we had to perform with South African girl. She was a contortionist from South Africa and she was also 13 year old and her name is Lunga. So she, yeah. Yeah, so, she like, was really, me and her became like really good friends because we were like kind of the teenager, young kids there, you know. So we were like always playing backstage, and of course we tried to do training also, but we also want to play. <laughs> but uh, 
thanks to having my sister, I was always able to come back to train and stay concentrated, you know. <laughs> I remember, yeah. Thing about, like, having, having a sister with me is, like, um, I know a lot of solo people, like, get out of shape faster because, like, they don't have too much motivation to keep each other or someone to help them, like, train or, like, help you do push-ups and stuff. But the good thing about having my sister with me was, like, you know, like always helping each other, like push-ups or like any new tricks. We're always helping each other. So, you know, like when you were together, we train more. And of course, we spend some time away from each other, like I don't know, doing breaks and stuff. So those are the times we tend to get out of shape more than we would be if we were together. <laughs> yeah, we get a little fat. <laughs> You're both so tiny, you know. <laughs> You're so tiny too, isn't it? <laughs> the three of us are so tiny. We are like we're like super super duper like tiny little ladies. <laughs> yeah, I remember the costumes we were wearing in in the shows. So yeah, <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> From there for sure. Well, yeah, I want to get to Universal, but before that too, I want to ask like how many hours did you train though like in Mongolia? I mean, like you guys do have like a pretty big like age gap. What is it like four or five years between you both? And I remember like when we worked uh um at Revel and Surf Dreams, like I remember you both telling me, you know, that you guys like self-motivated when you were young together to like keep on going and to like have good training and to like learn your skills. So I just wanted to ask, like, I mean, it's hard, right? Like it was hard training and 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 maintaining that and like learning like all of those skills. Like you didn't just learn like all of your contortion, everything like overnight. So like how many hours did you train mm -hmm. and like what was it like? Yeah, in the beginning of course it's really, really hard. And for example, I get up and go to school, normal school from eight to twelve. And then take lunch and go to circus and uh, I get to circus around two o'clock and from two to like sometimes six, two to five o'clock yeah. we train and sometimes we stay till six and we go home around seven and then we do homework or eat and go to sleep and this was our routine and we do it all over again every day. Yeah we wow. even had like trainings during the summer also like there's no school, but we still like went to go train. Um, and at the training, it was um, at the time we were training back in Mongolia, it was like the three main construction teachers. And of course, we were training with one of them, which was Magic Student, what's her name? Um, and she had like the two different classes, like the morning class and the afternoon class. But um, in each class, it was like over 10 girls always. There's a lot of people so like the kids will start helping each other or like the older generation would start helping the younger generation so like my sister Suda she was always helping the little girls do push-ups and stuff like sit, sometimes even sitting next to the teacher and just like tra helping her train kids you know uh, yes I became the assistant coach teacher and then, <laughs> when I one day my teacher arrived a little bit late right like maybe like 30 minutes late and I was already starting the training and all the yeah. kids were lined up to like I was tr this this time I was teaching them how to do handstand uh, which is a uh, handstand coming from the handstool you know press up 
on one hand. So I was helping all the kids like this, uh, this skill. And my teacher, uh, no one want to line up for her. And my teacher's like, okay, everybody don't want to line up for me. Okay, come. And she like grabbed the, the youngest kids to do, do the like handstand. <laughs> and all. So I felt so bad. At the same time, I was learning how to teach. And I was getting really good at it. And in the end, my I learned a lot of teaching from my coach and also have to talk to the young kids. Literally young kids, like three three to six-year-old kids, it's hard to train them too. So I was learning. Like, you know, when you say like point your toe, they're like, they don't know how to do these things. They don't know because they're so young, like they can't like connect their brain to their body so well. So. Uh, it's like a good way to learn how to guide like younger kids. Mm-hmm. So you learned, so that so you was, learned a lot even when you were learning. Yes, yeah. exactly. But then at one point, uh, I remember I was coaching a lot with my teacher and te- my teacher was teaching me how to coach. And at some point I went out of shape and I tried to do my act and my my butt couldn't reach my head. That was the one waking moment. I'm like, holy shit, I need to start training. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was the point you knew something needed to change. Yes. Yeah. Coaching at some point. This was around I would say like 17, 16, 17 year old. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> but like when you're a kid, so like you train when you're like, I mean, we start training, like I started at six, she started quite young also. And you, you know, as a female, you go to puberty and stuff and like your body changes. And if you're not training like more during those times, like you, you lose a lot of like flexibility or like technique, your body is changing on you. So like those are the key moments that you need to like continue like training, training. So you adapt with your body growing and changing you know but those are the times that you can lose uh, some uh, things that you already learned <laughs> <laughs> yeah totally I I had the same issue when I was going through puberty too and training and competing and stuff so I had like a oof, I had a period there where I didn't know <laughs> how I was gonna like bounce mm-hmm. back either you know it was like oh dear like of course I'm still waiting to have my growth spurt like I tell everybody because it's not like you know I I would have loved to have grown just like a little bit more but I'm still only 153 centimeters but I did for a little bit and it changes everything you know like how you like you hold a position and how you balance and it changes a lot mm-hmm. of your technique too you have to like relearn things so I definitely had to do that around that age I think it was yeah when I was around like it happened a little bit later uh, yeah probably around the same age as you guys like 16 17 I feel like 14 15 16 17 18 is such a hard time with training it's so hard yeah yeah it was it was the most difficult time and then also your face start breaking up getting your first pimples uh yes it's hard (laughs) hard moment and you try to do be a performer and putting makeup on it you know and it's getting worse. <laughs> did you did you both have like any injuries during that time? And like, how did you deal with those if you had those? Or were you both like pretty like injury free, like when you were learning um, contortion? Or did like your injuries come like later in your career? Thankfully, I, I wouldn't have injury at all. During I mean, this like, 
you work with your body. So your body gets sore. Sometimes you like pinch a little bit something in your back or something, but like nothing like major. Um, it's mostly the soreness. You know, you try new trick and you work harder on one side. So that side is more cramped and you have to stretch it out. It's mostly that kind of thing, but nothing like major. I'm going to knock on the wood. One <laughs> <laughs> thing, one thing um, uh, back in the day, because it was so traditional contortion, they didn't know how to proper stretch the muscle that really cramped. So those things we learned as we on tour, we learned from yoga, Pilates, and all this conditioning exercises that we never done as we uh, when we were training when we were like little because we just go do contortion and just keep doing the exact same push-ups and handstand and one arm and uh, tricks and that's all we did. Like chin <laughs> Never done any like down downward dog or all that poses ever when we were doing contortion. But like on tour, like you learn these things and also like us learning aerial helped with like our shoulder and like our core and stuff. So I think that helped us with, I mean, we're quite old for contortionists. <laughs> so yeah. I think it, like doing aerial and contortion at the same time, it, I think it balanced our body more than just doing contortion only. Because, you know, contortion is you bending backward all the time and your uh, muscles, the back of your muscles are working way more than your front, like your core and stuff. So I think doing aerial, of course, doing aerial, your core needs to be strong. So your abs and stuff. Um, so I think that helped us with the longevity of our career because it helped us balance our body more than just doing contortion alone. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I bet. That's like such like a brilliant way to put it. Has like the contortionist model like from like Mongolia, is it pretty like... Is it very much the same? Like you're both telling me that you learned a lot about recovery and like, you know, like management and stuff like after that and being on tour and stuff. But has the model changed or is it pretty much similar to what it was before when it was very traditional when you were both like learning and growing up? I think it's changed. Yeah, sorry, sis. Go ahead. I was going to say with this like internet, you know, like Instagram and everything. uh, I think people now they can see what, around the world not just in mongolia so i think they're learning a lot from uh, the world you know yes the new generation will definitely getting really stronger especially for hand balancing and contortion mix and uh, they're definitely training different than used to be Mm -hmm. yeah i i can see that i can understand that um, as well yeah social media has changed like just everything right like <laughs> it's just really changed a lot with everyone seeing so much and having like so much access and you know everyone just yeah having a lot of access to a lot of different models and to training and technique um I think it's opened a lot of people's yeah. eyes and I think also too it's maybe created things where it's like safer approaches and in some ways like kinder approaches like to learning and then obviously I think sometimes too people have to be really careful as well when like you you know, like learning offline and, you know, going with like people that are qualified like you and making sure that they're getting the proper training because not everybody's created equal just because you see something nice like online. 
did um I wanted to ask just a little bit too like about like your family like during that time because when you both started like performing and when you also too started you know to to travel and everything like how was that for your family how did your parents handle that did you always like stay like living with your family when you were training or did you ever live like at a circus school in Mongolia or is that not how it's done there Yes, we definitely lived with our family. In the beginning, I grew up in the yurt. At the time, uh, the capital city of Mongolia, Ulaanbaatar, was still have lots of yurt, uh, not a lot of building at the time. And when Boina born, we all moved to a condo, like an apartment building. It was on the ninth floor. And then we moved to eighth, eighth floor. And mm-hmm. yeah, she remembered the eighth floor. She don't remember the ninth floor. Nope. <laughs> but yes, as for me, just to thinking back how life was different when I, I remember I when I was living in the yurt, we have to my parents have to like put the wood chips into the fireplace in the middle of the yurt and they like really have to step on it to uh, make it really, really dense. Dense. So all night the fire can be burned and uh, the youth can stay warm for the winter. And I remember we used to have a bunch of horses in in the city. And then within, uh, I would say, six, seven years, when we moved to, when Buena born and we moved to apartment, things changed rapidly and that's when I went but start going to I don't to remember horses that much. <laughs> yeah, she, yes, because you were, wasn't born yet. So, yeah. Well, by the time I, was, I remember, it was more cars. <laughs> yes. But I remember the, uh, there we, we had a lot of horses, like, like China, compared to China, China had a lot of bicycles. But Mongolia had a lot of horses and uh, yurt, and now we have a bunch of cars and traffic. Uh, yeah, so we did grow up with the family. My grandma lived with us, and my mom and dad, and my younger sister, my brother. So it was like um, seven of us, we lived in the one uh, household. And then... When I was 19, my father passed away. At that time, I was in Germany, and it was a quite sad story. I couldn't even make it back to his funeral at the time. And then when I come back to Mongolia, they showed me uh, the funeral funeral video, but I didn't want to see the whole thing. But uh, that was... That was my artist circus life. Um, uh, in the beginning, I felt that I uh, missed my, um, you know, family. Uh, the difficult time. Then um, I became a parent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I became. I started helping my mom, and I, uh, my mom started asking me questions, making decisions on on my uh, siblings, what kind of school. All that became a big responsibility on on me, but I took it very well. And then when I went to Italy, I did the contract, and then I come back to Mongolia, and then I, I went to um, U.S. Uh, with my sister. Yeah, and uh, me, and my sister was the core 
financing and helping financially our family? Well, we were already helping them when we were separately working. <laughs> yes. The <laughs> life is different in Mongolia, but now it's quite changed the modern world and uh, new generation. Everything is changing quite uh, differently. It's, it, it's not like how it was before. But I think life is better in Mongolia now uh, compared to how when we were growing up. Mm. It's amazing. Like, again, you, both of you, I, what I loved about you as well is because you have, you do take care of your families and you have taken care of your families. And that's something I think sometimes people like that don't know so much about circus don't realize, like you're usually not like working and performing for yourself. You're usually taking care of your families mm -hmm. and that's for people, you know, artists from so many different countries, but it's, it's, you know, it's something that I always, you know, I have so much respect for because not everybody comes from a country, you know, like not all of the Americans have it where they have, to take care of their families they can just like pursue their mm -hmm. careers and they don't have to take care of anybody they're very independent they're very external they have a lot of autonomy where they're just like living for themselves but you know i i tell people that aren't familiar with circus but you know i have a lot of friends where they're not just taking care of themselves they're taking care of like sometimes 10 6 15 family members are depending on their circus salary and so that's a that's a really big responsibility yes yeah. definitely and uh, that because of this uh, big responsibility, me now uh, in the mood of taking care of myself now, <laughs> because uh, um, <laughs> yes. once we uh, fin finish paying our um, two siblings college, and me and my sister like, okay, let's uh, save money for ourselves. <laughs> so we, we were like, you finished the college, now you can make your own money and live so you don't have to pay for your living. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, finally, you can leave the nest. We've done everything we can. We've yeah. done, we've done a, a one million um, back bends and arches for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All of these shows, just for you. We love you. <laughs> what, one one thing I learned from this experience that the, your big responsibility keeps you in track and keeps you in discipline. And uh, especially when you're working with your sister, younger sister, you want to show a good example all the time. You don't want to show bad behavior and, and take a bad direction in life. So this actually really um, kept me strong and made me who I am today. And uh, I really appreciate uh, my family and and everybody around me. What about you, Buena? Do you feel the same? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, my sister thinks um, I was very, being a good girl, but I used to still sneak around and lie to her. I was still a teenager at some point, you know? <laughs> 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 yes, I, I remember I catch uh, catch your uh, boyfriend in the closet. <laughs> yeah, sort of. My sister was like away, uh, and I was like, "Okay, come over, let's hang out a little bit." And then she knocked the door. I was like, "Oh no, hide in the closet!" And she came in. She's like, "What is the noise in the closet?" <laughs> 
circus life. I feel like I would have drove my sister crazy if I if I were in the same position because I know that I drove my sister crazy. Like when we were competing, I can only imagine us traveling because I, it was a little bit different when we were like you know when we were competing and training. If we had like more freedom, like during circus, I'm sure I would have been like driving her crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure yeah but uh, that's how the relationship uh, uh builds strong together you know yeah of course you know you can depend on yourself and there's a certain level of freedom that you know of course Buena was afforded too with you being like responsible in that way and also too you're both still very responsible I know also too Buena you're talking like <laughs> you were doing a lot of things I know you both I've seen you day in and day out for for a full like several months of a contract you're both very aligned very focused very disciplined you 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 know how to you know how to turn it off and to turn it on <laughs> but but you're yeah. both with time <laughs> experience experience <laughs> exactly it's from experience so i wanted to ask like um i wanted to turn to universal circus like i love speaking about universal because people always ask me obviously because i'm african-american that's like usually the first question that they ask me they're always like have you worked for universal and did you work for <laughs> universal like you must have worked for universal and i always tell them because universal is black owned and it's a black run circus company it's the only one in the world and i always tell them no but my circus friends from Mongolia are legends from Universal. <laughs> they don't, they don't our, expect that. Yeah, that's actually our big family. We uh, learned a lot of things from there because we started working together in that show and uh, we learned a lot from each other and and Boina was a little at the time, so I had to be the garden angel and then sign the paper even but to for working for soul circus definitely it was the most friendly company that i worked for uh, i worked in germany and of course uh, maybe it's the weather uh, like for example when i was in germany if you ask from someone i was in berlin if you ask from someone what time is it or which way this direction, they will tell you right away, I'm sorry, I don't have a time. Or they will say, I don't speak English. But clearly they're telling, telling you have to you know, say they don't speak English. And they, the people felt a little bit cold. Uh, I, I mean, I don't have any bad things to say about Germany, but, but my experience was like that. And then when I arrived to U.S., our first contract was straight to Universal Circus, and we meet Black American, South African, so many different African countries. We meet right there. Yeah, yeah, like so yeah, many different Trinidad, Tobacco, Jamaica, and we were welcomed with all this love. Like we were, we even didn't scare from any of Black people. Like people uh, at the time in my country, I'm sure there was um, uh, people scared from Black people. Yeah, but at the time for us, my, my, my mom used to watch basketball a lot on TV and uh, we loved Janet Jackson, Michael Jackson, and we used to love black artists. And we, when we arrived to um, Soul Circus, we got picked up with the black American and, and uh, we met everybody. From, 
so much fun. Yeah. So, and I, I was in love. I, my eye opened. I'm like, this is the country I want to be. <laughs> Compared to Germany, I, this was my experience. Like, this was my expression. I was like, oh my gosh. It's this freedom, you know, and it's a very welcome uh, circus uh, show that we performed. And the audience on top, you have no they're idea so, how amazing yeah. audience. They're like, they show their emotions uh, like crazy, you know, like they're so loud. They're, they want get up and dancing with the crowd, you know, like the crowd is dancing with the performers, with the music. It's like, they just express their feelings so nicely and it's like, uh, so great to perform there. It's, it's always like hyped, you know? It's always yeah, like, you feel like you're almost like clubbing, but not really. Of course, you're not in a club, but you know, the energy is like high always. Yeah. And like standing ovation always be like in, in, when you in performing in the theater, you get standing ovation after the show. But no, you know, so so because you get standing ovation from one or a uh, hundred people right after you act. It's it's amazing. If they love you, they show. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. How long did you both work for um, for Universal? And you also you didn't just like you know you just weren't performing like you like were doing like training and like um, and choreography in in Universal too, right? Yes. And later, yeah. Later. That happened later. We yes, we worked there uh, from two thousand two till two thousand four, and then um, Mr. Walker, who who's the uh, owner of the circus, he he actually contacted us back uh, to teach uh, contortionist skills to Ethiopian contortionist and South African contortionist. Genia, uh, bone breaker boys, they they do crazy they're actually, bone breaking. They're actually doing American Got Talent recently. Oh, oh, oh yeah, the same, the same guys, really? Yeah, yeah, they were so tiny and little when you work with them, and they're all grown up boys, like men now, you know? Oh. Yeah. So we taught them the basic skills of Mongolian contortion, and but they had their own skills with the shoulder and twisting and all that. And uh, yes, yeah, so we worked so we worked with so many different artists from uh, um, Ethiopia, Ethiopia to South and, and yes, so we we had a lot of fun training the kids there. The artist there was very hungry to learn for uh, skills. Mm, yeah, that's so amazing. I it's love the great that thing was... about uh, it's the great thing about that company is uh, you know Soul Circus is like they bring like great teachers and choreographers to the show so they can like uh, help the like the raw talent that they found from like Ethiopia or like Kenya, you know. So they can come to the show and grow as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's our extended family, Universal Circus. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. That's what that, that's what I was gonna say. Like you had so much um, time with them, and I think that's so beautiful. That was your first entry into America, and I know you've had like yeah, yeah like, such like a long extended relationship with Universal, like going you know back and forth, even when you're working for other companies, coming back and working with Universal. Like I just think that's mm-hmm. really amazing. I think it also too just shows like again how professional you both are because you've had like consistent relationships with companies where you've worked with them year after year after year and you've not Mm. just worked with them as artists you've worked with them in many different capacities too which again just shows like how multi-dimensional you both are within like the circus I think that there's there's a lot to learn from you both and you both are very open and very giving and you've utilized a lot of different things and not just stayed like focused on one thing so I think that's really great and I wanted to ask when did you after working for Universal how then did you start working for Cirque Dreams, which is another US, U.S.-based company? You had a really long relationship with Cirque Dreams, too. You still have one that's ongoing. And what kind of shows did you do with Cirque Dreams? And, like, how did that happen? How did you make the transition going from there to from, – from Universal to Cirque Dreams? And how did that – how was that different for you, too, after being with Universal? So we finished the contract with Universal Circus, and we stayed in U.S., because we still had like some visa left. Uh, it was not expired yet. So we auditioned for Silk Dreams and other companies uh, and Silk Dream contacted us back and we ended up working with them over almost 15 years now at this point. So a long time. Uh, and with that company, what was different was with you know, Soul Circus, with the music, you yes, you still listen to the music and you know, like you more like feel the music and just go with it. It's kind of like go with the flow kind of thing. Like it's a lot of freedom and, you know, like you just do, I mean, of course you do your show, but, you know, it was uh, more calm, I guess, uh, or free. <laughs> but with uh, so Dreams, uh, you know, we had to like learn. I mean, we know how to count music, but like there's a lot of cues we do. And I mean, we enjoyed all of them. Don't get me wrong, but we had to learn to do like a little bit of movements, like dance a little bit. Um, and wearing different kind of costumes, top of your on top of your act, you like wore different costumes and helped the other artists with their stuff, and you know, so that that was like one thing like we enjoyed doing. What you know, I mean, uh, so dream was like, yes, you prepare, you do your act, and after your act, you you don't like just sit and wait for finale. You know, you like still part of the show. You just like change your costume. We were like frogs at some point. We were. Um, peacocks bees. <laughs> bees. yeah we like turn into like some different characters and we really enjoyed doing those kind of things so so dreams which was different than soul circus yes with uh, uh for me the big difference was the audience i love connecting with the audience and uh, when you perform for soul dreams you performing in the theaters most of the time and people really watch you and they do clap, but not to go crazy during the act because they're so mesmerized and watching and observe, observing what you're doing. But in the finale, they give us a standing ovation and then they clap. With the Universal Circus, uh, you get the response right away. Right during away. The like if you doing your mana arm or you doing your press up or any tricks you're doing that amazes you, they shows. So that was the big difference and really enjoyed that a lot. 
and, and for, for me because I love connecting with the audience. Mm. Is that where you both started doing your um, your aerial sphere, or did you start doing that with Universal, or did that start with Cirque Dreams? It started with Cirque Dreams. So we performed with Cirque Dreams uh, like a year. Uh, then, um, well, of course, we see some other artists doing multiple acts. So we were like, we talked to the boss, and we're like, okay, we want to do aerial acts. We would like to try these things, and they. Oh, suggested, oh, we were looking for this kind of act, so maybe if you want to learn this, you know. And we're like, oh, cool. So we start learning Aerial Cube act. Uh, at the time, it was me and my sister, and we had two other partners. Uh, we were doing four-person contortion with Choke Dreams at that time. So one of the girls was, uh, well, I want to learn too. So us three start doing uh, Aerial Cube act. Then it became four-person cube act. Then it became two-person sphere act. <laughs> <laughs> so we've been doing aerial since uh, 2004 or five? 2005, right? 2000, 2004. Yeah. No, no, 2005, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I think we yeah. started training, yeah. Yeah. And with aerial, in the beginning, was quite hard skill. Like, we don't know how to do chin-ups and uh, we get blue. <laughs> blisters in our arms it was quite um hard harder than contortion at the time because we already know how to do contortion so and then we would uh, but train. i think it was hard because we were learning it on tour like we were doing our shows on top we're learning new skills so i think that's why it was like we're harder on our body <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i can imagine so we would, if you have two shows, we will train between shows and we will, perf- like, we ha- we get only 30 minutes on stage training on warm up and we will do our aerial and, and keep learning every day. So doing more actually helped the tour go interesting. And it's not like so boring, you know. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Not that ever tour is boring. <laughs> <laughs> I think the thing, great thing about like circus community, like we obviously when we were on tour, we didn't know anything about aerial. We never trained it in school or anything. So like all the aerialists or like the coaches there, like help you with your process. So it's a great thing about the community. Like they're always there to help you, you know? Yeah. yeah. Our, our big supporter uh, was Yuri. You remember Yurichka? Yuri? Yuri yeah, yeah. He, he was our big supporter and he was a rigger and a slash coach. And so he will uh, give advice and uh, he really watch over us in case. I mean, doing he was a, he was a performer like all of his life also and like retired at the time we met him. Uh, so he was a rigger slash uh, coach for everybody. And uh, so he helped us a lot with our aerial stuff and like teaching us how to even tape our aerial prop and stuff. Oh, that's great. How do you, what do you think is the key to staying with a company for so long? Because you have worked with Surf Dreams for so long. And again, I think that 
um, that's a skill, I think, by itself to stay committed with the company, to grow with the company. What do you think? Um, what is the advice of staying with the company for a long time? And what's important to remember when you're staying with like the same company? I know, of course, you guys have worked for a lot of companies, but you, you know, really had like a home base, like with Cirque Dreams too. So how important has that been? And how important do you think that is? In my opinion, good reputation and never burn a bridge and uh, really listen to the, especially during the creation, like no matter how big or small is the creation before the show, you have to be very focused and learn all the cues and do your homework. So not just, you know, um, during the rehearsal, if you don't get the cue, on time and next day if you don't come on stage on your music you know the director director um direction will not go easy so therefore they will start frustrating with you so you have to learn have to be on time and uh focus during the rehearsal time and once you do all that they start trusting you. And if you always on time, on the music, finish your act with the music, then they trust you. Once you do your like, job good, and you're all good. Because we would like during creation, like, of course, you're all day in rehearsal, but, you know, take a note and we would always go home. But like, when you would get to the hotel, we would like always run through the music again and, like do the choreography again, you know, just to be make sure you're you have it when you go back to the rehearsal the next day. So I think those are always helpful. And with the especially with your dreams, I think we stay with them really long time because we were always uh, welcoming any kind of change to music, to choreography, you know, like the character. Like we weren't like stick with certain kind of moves, and we didn't want to change it or anything like that. If you were able to, we were always down to try new things uh, and new choreography. Oh, I love new costumes and new makeup. <laughs> so I think that helps with uh, uh, try to be some kind of chameleon in a way to just adapt with and try new things. I think that helps us to stay with the company longer. So you're not like one character and you burn out that character. You know, you can continue to change your character and try new things. I think that helps us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. And I love how you said about being a chameleon. I love that you're both open, flexible, and disciplined and punctual. And that that speaks to a lot. And I can imagine that that's what has allowed things to go so beautifully well for you for so long. I wanted to like change to the next topic would be about you both made you made really cool appearances on America's Got Talent. What do you both think about talent shows? And like, what was your experience like when you were on America's Got Talent? We didn't stay too long with American Got Talent because we auditioned the first one and we passed to the next one. And the next one, they were like, okay, we gonna take like almost two, three months to let you know if you made it or not. And, you know, in show business, uh, it was, I mean, a while ago, so maybe they changed the rules at this point. But, you know, in show business, you don't just wait for two, three months and not sign anything. If you get a contract, you have to take, like, take it or move on. You can't just sit for, you know, that long period of time and not take contracts. 
So that was the one thing we didn't go through and continue with them because they put us on a hold kind of like for two, three months. And we oh. got a contract with Silk Dreams. And we were like, well, we kind of going to take this because there's something on our plate right now, you know? And we we were already on that contract. Then they were like, oh, you guys made it. Would you guys like to come? And we're like, oh, we're not available anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so that was uh, the reason we didn't the, like, continue. The appearance we did with uh, Nick Cannon and the last episode was pretty uh, good. And we get a lot of exposure. And we were able to actually hired by halftime shows because of uh, American Got Talent. So it'd be pretty happy with another, you know, different type of uh, shows that we can do. Halftime shows were quite interesting and you just doing your thing during only certain minutes during the halftime game, you know? I love that. Your mom must have loved that. <laughs> Yeah, she loves basketball. My mom did too. It's so funny because I don't know if you've ever spoken about that, but my biggest um, appearances after America's Got Talent were also doing halftime shows, like with my with my duo. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really funny and really cool that that's what happened for like both of us was to do halftime. And I literally did them for my mom because my mom is in love with basketball. She loves Kobe Bryant, like she loves mm-hmm. every, every basketball player. And I literally did them so that. That I could get her a pass and so that she could come to the shows. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's thanks to the exposure from America's Got Talent. It, it got us all, all on halftime. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is uh, quite uh, good that they expe- accepted a circus artist to go in top 10 last year. So our friend Tyson Mary was in top 10 and they almost won. And for us, they won. They were in the finale. <laughs> yeah, they, were, they took the second place. Oh, that's so great. Yeah. That's awesome. Normally it's like singers or musician, you know, but I'm happy this time. Last year was mag- Magic Act, uh, Magician won, I think. So I'm I'm happy they accepting more and more circus artists. Yeah, it's always hard when we lost. I lost to a yodeler, and it was a little girl, <laughs> a little girl who was yodeling. Mm. I mean, once we're up against, you know, people always say it's hard to win against like the animal acts or the children, and it's like usually true. You know, it's they usually the ones mm-hmm. that that win like the top prizes. Yeah. Yeah. So, we had so much fun. American yeah. Got Talent, we love it. I still watch it. The American Got Talent, who is going on, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm glad that you had a really um, a lovely experience on there. But I would expect it to be lovely because you're both lovely and you're so much fun. And you, like, what, what were you called when I think you were called like the Human Belt? Or what was, what was your... Mongolian Belt. Mongolian belt. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Mongolian, Mongolian belt buckle. She was the buckle. <laughs> Mongolian belt, belt buckle. I knew there was like a phrase that they used like from from that. <laughs> from your appearance there. I was like, okay, yeah. You like, yeah, you like literally like wrapped around to give everybody a visual. You like wrapped yourself around Nick Cannon like you yeah. were, like you were this close. Was- 
Yeah, and he this was so cool. Like, he was like down to try it. Yeah. I was saying it was cool and like he was down to try it. That was nice. Yeah. We didn't say nothing. We just say this on stage and uh, they were like, okay. <laughs> they really went with the flow. That's cool. Yeah, that was such like a nice moment. That was like a very, I think it was a very like viral moment for you, for you both. So that was, that was really cool. And I'm glad that they were nice to you. That's always like my number one thing. Mm -hmm. I always want to ask people like, were they nice to you? Like, were they cool? Like, did they make you feel good? <laughs> like, that's like, you know, I always think that's so important. So great. So up until like the pandemic hit, you were working for Cirque du Soleil. You were in Axel, right? Like up until the pandemic? Yes. Yeah. And so can you let me, can you tell the audience, the listeners, how was that handled? And where were you on tour? Like when things closed and did you hear recently about the chairman of Cirque, Mitch Garber? He stepped down recently from Cirque du Soleil. Did you know that? So um, I wanted to, um, actually, um, we didn't hear about that. Did you hear that, Buena? Mm, um, well, I think that's the, uh, I think we kind of got the news about it, though. Um, me, but, I didn't know. <laughs> it's the guy, remember, sir, uh, the one who was in Saudi Arabia and took a picture with us? Oh, also, oh yeah. yeah. He, he did that long time ago, no? Not long time ago, but like um, a few months ago, like a month ago. Well, it just came out in the news like really recently. So I think, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it just, it like just came out like a week ago or something like that. Oh, okay, okay. Then I haven't heard about it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you guys might have inside info, inside info, so maybe you know <laughs> a little bit before, like me. But no, I don't know. At this point, we're we're all all like disconnected from them because uh, they don't have too many people working there right now, so they don't like you know try to keep everybody in loop too much. <laughs> I think they're too busy right now. <laughs> yeah, but so you guys met Mitch um, in Saudi Arabia when you were on tour with Axel. Yes. Mm, oh, not, okay. not. So uh, what happened is back in 2017, we got offer from uh, Cirque du Soleil, which was back in day 45 degrees, but they call it special events now. And um, we did the contract in Kazakhstan. It was the expo and we were in Kazakhstan for like five months doing Cirque du Soleil show. And this show was inspired by Kazakhstan culture, which is really close to our Mongolian culture. They had ego in the show and the king of Kazakhstan and all this. This was the most, one of the, uh, the best creation we ever performed in, in any shows uh, from, from our history. And then after that, we hired to do Saudi Arabia's special national event, which is the kind of independent celebration, in the Independence Day, I think. But they were first time ever allowed women to perform on stage with the hair down. And um, even for, for us, we had to cover our skin uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, in Ariel... We have our neck to be exposed to do the trick. So we had to get an approval from the prince to 
to show our neck on stage. So it was very good show and very special experience we had in Saudi Arabia. This was one time show, but we rehearsed and prepared for the show 14 days. And then we went to do the uh, Andorra, which is north of Barcelona. And we were there for two months, another Cirque du Soleil special event show. And oh, it's a summer show. This was one of our favorite contortion act we did in that show. And then on top, Boina was performing with her um, ex-partner doing motorcycle act. You can tell this about it. This is another skill that, um, that we, she did other than contortion and aerial. Ah. So he was like riding, he, he was a stunt, uh, uh, like motorcycle stunt person. And while he's riding his bike, I did some like uh, contortion poses on him, around him. So that was really interesting uh, and fun thing to try for me for a summer gig. <laughs> That's so cool. Were you scared? In the beginning, a little bit, but because we did the creation uh First, uh, we did like, uh, of course, we trained it and stuff. So we had like the belt and everything. So whenever we crashed, I just fly like a Tinker Bell. So it was not that scary towards that. <laughs> <laughs> You're so brave. <laughs> Me, I was scared backstage every every time. And she had one and a half act to change into contortion and, and we go on stage together. So oh. I... I used to watch her, then I stopped watching her and I focused on my warming up backstage. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's so fast to have to get prepared for your next act after that. My God. Yeah, so those challenges, like, for example, those things, if you can manage to do it, uh, it's good for the, um, the credits to... For the company, so they they you will be the first in line to get hired because you able to manage to make it happen in in any circumstances. Yeah, well, if anybody can make it happen, you both can. And I have to say, I really mm-hmm. loved your performance to um, Janis Joplin's song that you did in Andorra. I, mm-hmm. I I love that song. It's such a good song. It's take a little piece of my heart. And like you said, yeah. it's like your favorite contortion act that you've done. And I can see why, because I would have loved to perform to that song like night after night too. There's just some pieces where like – any little piece of like your act, your performance makes it so that you're just like so in love with like the performance, you know, and it just makes you want to do it. You know, it, it inspires you to something new every single night. And I love that. I love that. Mm. So um, continue uh, with the, with the Cirque du Soleil contract was uh, we get to Excel contract because the director who hired us for Andorra, um, not Andorra, for uh, Kazakhstan and Saudi Arabia, he was the director in Axel. And he really uh, enjoyed our aerial act in Saudi Arabia. And he hired us to do our um, aerial act in Axel. So we were oh. really happy to get that contract. Yes. So oh. I like... 
the thing is going back to where the reputation and uh, where you have to listen to the director and being focused on on during the process of creation and 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 deliver in the show and you, when you build good trust and good reputation you get higher higher again and again to different projects you never know where you're going to end up so we always try to do our best in uh, every show yeah, yeah yeah of course and so how was your creation for axel we did uh, from july till october our excel uh, i mean recreation uh, we've performed we rehearsed from july till october and they gave us coach for our act technical coach and uh, choreographer so we had a, a chance to put our aerial sphere act in next level. So they will give us really nice moves that we can do in our act. Our act was already created by us, uh, the tricks and everything, but they were cleaning and then to fit in the show, they worked with us in, during the uh, creation. So that was a big, big chance, advantage we had in Axel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. That's amazing. So, so it seemed like it went, you know, I, I would have loved to have seen it eventually in person. Where did you tour for Axel? How else was your, um, your experience in, in Axel and performing in Axel? What did you both love about the creation of Axel? And what did you love uh, about touring with Axel too? Like what were some of your favorite parts of the show? With Axel... It was quite different than any other shows we performed and, and being part of the creation because it was an ice show. And you get to share experience with the professional Olympic ice skaters. And they really competi- competitive ice skaters was in the show. So to next to them, skate, learning how to skate and and it was so impressive to see how they're skating. And it inspired us to learn how to skate fast. But we didn't get to their level. <laughs> but uh, it, it was quite different. And, of course, it was cold. We were learning how to, like Boina say, we were really chameleon to learn adjust to be next to the ice all the time. And being warm backstage before you go on stage, uh, the cre- whole creation was incredibly different than any other theater or circus, traditional circus, uh, or any other Cirque du Soleil shows we've done. Yeah, it sounds super different. What about you, Buena? Um, Excel was fun. Uh, of course, there was few... Of my friends on it, so it was uh, nice to work with friends again, uh, and some meeting all these new skaters and uh, try to skate next to them was really funny. <laughs> you know, like uh, as a performer, you always do like the safest thing so you don't injure yourself doing like fun, like crazy, like a uh, adventurous thing. So skating was like. Kind of something like I did maybe once a year just for fun with like on tour, you know, uh, where you are cast members and stuff. So for this show, I was like, oh, I'm down to try and actually learn how to skate. 
So I learned how to stop while you're skating and how to stop and how to start. So that was fun. Um, the creation process was a longer, long one I had in my life. But uh, compared to other Cirque du Soleil new shows, it was quite short, apparently. But it was fun and we enjoyed it. Um, it was really nice to be in Montreal doing the creation and it was during the summer. Mm. So the weather was perfect. Uh, yeah. And we went on tour. Oh, some there were some rough patches. <laughs> yes. Talk about so, it later. <laughs> yes. So what happened is I I learned um, skating um, as soon as I, we got this contract. I was teaching myself how to skate with hockey skate, and I was able to skate way along. better than me. Way better than Boyna. <laughs> <And> with, <laughs> uh, I was better than other circus artists uh, in the show. So then they gave us uh, actual figure skating skates and these figure skating skates has a, like a pick in the front. So it was quite different. And we, I learned uh, how to skate in this skates. And three weeks before the premiere, uh, we moved to different city from Montreal to different city. What was the city again? Cornwall. Cornwall. So Cornwall, Ontario, we were there and the rehearsal was going really, really fast paced and we didn't have time to skate or practice, but we all had to uh, skate in the finale. So uh, two days before premiere, they told us to skate in the finale. But of course, if you're not comfortable do not worry a skate, you know. Uh, they didn't really push you to, but they they did say in the meeting, it would be great if you skate in the finale. So, and but this uh, rehearsal was um, like B-roll uh, recording of the show. So they will record the whole show. We, we were doing the, uh, the rehearsal was like you doing the show. And... Uh, I was confident with my skating, so I'm like, I'm gonna wear my skates. So I was then, nervous. <laughs> anyways, <laughs> so first time ever in my life, I injured myself skating in the finale. I fell. I was just standing there after all the bows and everything. We were all circled in the arena, and then we were waving to the audience. And meantime, I was waving. I like fist pump and like, you know, giving hearts to the audience and being crazy. Then my both skate went up in the air and oh. on, on the way down, I, uh, my toe pick uh, of the skate got stuck on ice and uh, it didn't fall with me. My ankle stayed there and I broke my ankle on the spot. Oh. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't stand up, and uh, so the paramedic come and picked me up, and uh, they checked my ankle. At the moment, didn't look like broken or anything. It didn't swell up like crazy or turn blue. Then um, I went back to my um, place. I fall asleep, but uh, it was hard to fall asleep. It was very painful. So next morning. We had a meeting, uh, um, a doctor meeting over the internet uh, with Montreal doctor. And uh, he's, he right away say, okay, go to the emergency room, get an x-ray done. So x-ray shows that I broke my fibula bone 
which was it was clear clear a cut broken bone so but still they had to do surgery so now i have a five screw and small plate in my ankle <laughs> so that oh was, my gosh that was my experience with skating but i still didn't give up now i'm rollerblading and uh i am uh when it's uh, winter i'm going to go ski and i'm going to go skate <laughs> but uh, I was off the show for three months uh, from October till January and I was back in the show mid-January and I performed and then COVID happened. Oh, and when, you just when, got back into the show. Yeah, so yeah. but I think I was able to perform about a month and a half, almost two months and I was happy with everyone and I enjoyed the show. I really, really loved this show. And when the show canceled, we were in Bakersfield, California. Oh, and you were in they, California. Yeah, we were in mm-hmm. California. They choose the city uh, also to uh, change the show a little bit before we get to Vegas. We was going to go to San Jose and Vegas. So Yeah, so they were like, oh, we're doing rehearsal. Because we just came back from a tour break, which is two-week break. Uh, then we everybody met in Bakersfield, and we went to rehearsal, and they were like, oh, because of COVID, uh, we're going to cancel the show for uh, the city, and maybe next one. Then a uh, few hours later, they called another meeting. They were like, okay, we're going to cancel, not do the show for uh, like two months. Then the next day, they were like, oh, we're going to stop until November. <laughs> So it was some intense. Uh, it was uh, intense for three-day three news. It was crazy. Yeah. Every time we had meeting, it was like harsher and harsher uh, news. <laughs> yes. Wow, that's so intense yeah. that it happened like that. Yeah. So it, so it like, was, were you? Like, oh, everybody was so sad. Yeah, and uh, some of the borders were closing, so a lot of people like rushed out of Bakersfield and. Uh, tried to make it to their hometown like oh some one of the cats was tried to go back to germany and didn't even make it to germany apparently i heard they someone might be still in montreal but uh yeah all the cats was like tried to rush back home so they didn't get like uh stuck in somewhere like in california that they don't have any place to go to and stuff so yeah it was a bit uh tough on everyone Wow. Yeah. Well, so where did you guys go? Like, as soon as that happened, where did you get back to, to be able to like, you know, be at home somewhere? What were you able to do yourselves? Me and my good friend, Guillaume, we just bought a car for the tour so we can like drive around California. So when this news happened, we're like, oh no, now we're stuck here with a car. (laughs) (laughs) So we drove to <laughs> from Bakersfield. We drove to San Jose. Uh, I mean Santa Barbara, where one of my friends is, uh, just to like get our thoughts together and stuff. Then we went to Vegas because uh, we were still trying to figure out what we're gonna do with the car and stuff. And once we were in Vegas, uh, when we were heading to Vegas, we were like, okay, yeah, I'm gonna take it back to Montreal. And so he ended up driving in by himself all the way to Montreal uh, from California. But, uh, from California to, uh, to Montreal? Wow. Yes, he did a really long journey. 
but for me and my sister, we stayed in Vegas for a few weeks with our friend um, Mary and Ty. So we spent some time there. We were trying to see if the COVID's going to calm down or not. And it wasn't. So we went to San Francisco to be with our mom. We stayed there with her for a month and a half. And we're like, okay, it's still not coming down. So we went back to uh, Orlando to like, that's where all of our stuff is. So we're like, okay, at least we can sort out our like suitcase and storage room stuff uh, that we never had chance to do because we were always busy on tour. So that, at least we used that time to like sort our tour suitcases and all that stuff. <laughs> so and eventually we made it to uh, Montreal. So we're here in Montreal now. <laughs> well, Montreal and Quebec. Wow. That, to make a long story short, I mean, wow. Like what an yeah. adventure for you both. Like being stuck and, and being caught. I actually, I would have been stuck and caught also too, like out of the country. I was meant to be in Dubai and like the mm-hmm. way that everything happened, I like, you know, just didn't end up going. I didn't catch the flight basically. So I, I would have been stuck somewhere else too. And I just mm-hmm. so happened, you know, got stuck like in California. So being able to be like where I'm based too. And like now I've been here longer than I've, I've ever been in like years. So I know that's the same for you mm-hmm. both. I think it's also really amazing that your mom now lives in San Francisco. So she moved from Mongolia, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. She's, uh, our, we have some family member, our cousin lives there and, uh, there's uh, so many Mongolian uh, Mongolians live there, like a big Mongolian community. So she at least close to people and friends and family member. And we happy that she likes us. She likes there. She didn't like Florida much. And oh. uh, she, yeah, she chose San Francisco over Florida. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I, interesting interesting like where she where she like loves loves to be oh i'm so, i'm glad that she found a place so that she feels comfortable and it's like it's her new home and again yeah. during such like a weird like crazy time you ended up being able to spend so much time with her too i think that's like it came like full circle for you both now too with like your family some of your family being in america so that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah so this way it's easy for us to go visit mom whenever we want so we don't have to take all almost two days to get to Mongolia, you know? Oh my gosh. I know. I totally understand. I know I've made so many different trips everywhere. Like my family, even right now too, they almost don't know what to do with me during this time. I mean, obviously we were quarantining and being very careful, like with my older relatives. And of course, like my parents and stuff are getting older and grandparents and stuff, but you know, it's still for them. It's so strange for them that I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's good. At least you spend the time with them a little bit, but in distance, but but in one city. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, at least in one city and like at least in one state because, yeah, my family's like a lot in Northern California too. So they're like, I think this is the closest you've been in like years. So it, I even feel it. It feels different. So I think that's even, at least like the silver lining for all of us, even though we've all been kind of like moved around and pushed around in some ways, it's been like, good and other things even though it's still like very difficult and and very hard and very challenging but 
Uh, I'm so like grateful too that you were able to manage, of course, and and you have friends, of course, all over the place because you're all over the place. So that's also the beautiful thing <laughs> about our job. You have people that like you can go to in almost, I think, any state, any country, yep. any city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is so, like. Yeah, to help. So bringing us back to like present day, like what do you both now like have coming up in the future? And then like, what are you working on now? I know you were doing the show in Montreal, obviously now that's been shut down, but that just happened. But what do you have coming up? And what are you working out right now, working on right now that like, you know, you want like listeners to know about and how they can like connect with you? Well, if COVID is still, you know, not going up crazy, is still if if it uh, comes down, the we have a potential Christmas show coming up in Orlando at Gaylord Resort in uh, starting in November till January. So that's exciting that we are able to perform again soon. Uh, hopefully that, that doesn't cancel because of COVID, you know, you never know nowadays. You know, fingers yeah. crossed on that. That's amazing. I'm so excited for you guys. Yes. And, and in then, the meanwhile. Yes, go ahead. In the meanwhile, we're working on our uh, online uh, contortion class. Uh, so, I want to talk about that today. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, uh, the Mongolian contortion class is we, uh, we. It was hard to get a, a good name for it in the beginning to start with. So, we choose the name for now is Mongolian contortion master class. So, mm. this is uh, this is more for. Uh, people who really want to learn contortion, a basic. To, hear, like, uh, people say, oh, in my town, we don't have contortion teachers. You know, like when we're traveling, we hear this a lot. So I think this is a good uh, time and opportunity to reach those uh, who are in the cities or places where they don't have contortion teachers and they can rely on us. Uh, yeah, so we basically creating this program, and um, hopefully they all can, you know, try out this program, and we doing the exercise that everybody can do it. Like uh, for example, even you, Shine, you can do it. It's more like a uh, little extreme yoga, but at the same time, if you cannot do some poses, you can just skip and uh, do the basics, but we're not really getting into crazy contortion poses until if you follow the uh, uh, the advanced level. But basic uh, intermediate, these, these are quite easy to do uh, and hopefully we got all the exercise videos done for now and we're doing the voiceover and then we're going to launch uh, hopefully before this year ends. Oh, I'm so excited to 
see it. I'm so excited for your launch. That's going to be such a gift, you know, like for the community and for just, yeah, everybody that wants to learn and learn from some of the best and learn from some incredible mm-hmm. professionals with your level of experience, your your experience, your background, your technicality, and of course, your beautiful personalities. Um, I think that's just always a plus whenever you're learning something, especially when it's difficult, but I love that you're breaking it down. It's going to be basic. So it's anybody that can learn from it. It's not just only like high level, obviously, because Mongolian contortion is so like to people when they hear it, it sounds like it's like beyond them. So I'm glad that you're reminding everyone, Suvda, that it's going to be in a form that's accessible because many forms, it really like makes people nervous and they feel like it's too much for them and that they could never learn it. So that's like super important. And you both have so much experience teaching so many varieties of artists and so many different levels. So for sure, it's going to be a very accessible like program that you're teaching. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it and, and uh, when it comes out. And again, if anything, during this time, it's like set all of us up to be able to give back in ways that we haven't we've never done before and I'm really looking forward to seeing you know like um uh you know artists like you both that are so professional that have so much knowledge um because you know again out there online people will try a lot of things that maybe isn't as professional and people don't know as much what they're supposed to be doing and you know people can get injured and it can be not safe so for me Mm -hmm. I really want people to know about you know the artist the contortionist that really have the skill, really have the true knowledge, because there's 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 a lot of like really like a lot of uh, uh, intellect that goes into this type of training, and you have to be careful, and you mm-hmm. need to learn from somebody that you know can really teach you the proper way. So I'm really looking forward to it, and good luck. And I'm also hopeful, again, fingers crossed, that you both you know you get to perform later on this year, and I know that'll be really inspiring, and it'll be a really great way to start off like the new year also so that'll be yes, yeah, yeah that's really great mm-hmm. yes and whoever really uh interested in this program and again it's uh from our experience we come out with all the exercises from our experience so it's not just uh, like when i say earlier it's not just back muscle it's also core and your shoulder strength and everything is in this. We, we, we did our best from our experience, all these exercises. So I'm, I think it's going to be very helpful for everyone who really wanted to be a little, little bit flexible in their career. Too extreme flexible. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> A little bit. Uh, I think it's wonderful. And so, like, how is it going to be um, accessed? It's it's going to be obviously like on a website that we can access um, your tutorials, like the system. Are you going to have live classes, or is it just going to be like your tutorial? Are you guys available right now for like online private classes that people can contact you on, or are you just doing your um, tutorials that people can buy, like as classes? Uh, definitely, they can uh, message us for private classes on Instagram and. Once the program launch, uh, we're going to have people who join the program, we will be able to give Zoom classes twice a week. So it will be really, really one-on-one and walk through with them. Basically, we're going to hold their hand to learn how to be more flexible than they are now. 
So they did like a, they'll follow the video that they like sign up to and uh, they can follow the video and they'll have like, we'll do like Zoom meetings and stuff. So they, they have questions and stuff. We're available to like answer them with the questions and stuff. So we're going to try to be more supportive and like the most helpful as possibly can <laughs> through the, the journey. Yes, and the videos are very uh, good, explainable, and then they can do it themselves. And it's not like the traditional way that someone forcing you or pushing you to split or anything. It's all uh, you can do it on your own and follow the video. And each video is from 30 to 40 minute length of uh, exercises. Wow, that's amazing. That's so great. And I love, again, that you guys are, you created systems that people can do alone because that's the number one thing that people ask me when I'm traveling around as a hand balancer and doing handstands. They're always like, how do I train by myself, Sinead? Like, I'm not going to have access to mm -hmm. a trainer or to somebody that can spot me exactly. or like, mm -hmm. how can I train alone? Like if I'm 90% alone or maybe 50% of the time, but like, that's like the number one question. So I think that's you know it's pushed all of us you know like I've gone to like a lot of different creative places trying to think of a lot of ways for people to train by themselves and not need like help of course like you're saying in traditional style so these are like really like cool like new models that you know you have figured out a way to um, transfer all of that knowledge into a way where people can do it by themselves like you said step by step holding their hand walking them through it taking their own time so I think that's really great it's really loving that's very safe of you and again if there's anything else that you both want to add before we stop here this is this is the end and thank you again so much Suvda and Buena the Contortion Sisters as you're called thank you so much for coming onto the show and for you know dialing into your history into your life I just I, I, I adore you both and I think you're so amazing so is there anything else you want to leave us with? We just want to thank you that you're doing this and helping others through your podcast and uh, we really appreciate what you're doing in the community and uh, we love you and uh, of course uh, we will be in touch and uh, hopefully our um, exercise launch will um, happen soon and uh, um, we will pretty appreciate how how what you're doing and thanks for having us on your podcast and also uh, the thanks to everyone who's trying um, all the creative artists during this uh, COVID time. I'm sure everything's going to be fine. Um, just keep doing what you guys are doing and uh, we are, we're going to get through this. Aww, you're both yes, so thank beautiful. Thank you for having us. <laughs> You're welcome, Buena. It's such a pleasure and you're both so beautiful and amazing. And thank you for being who you are in this business. Thank you for being who you are in this world. Like I just can't get enough of good people and you are just good people. You are inspiring and you're kind and you're lovely and you're professional. So continued so much love. I love you. Adore you both. And until next time, we'll, we'll be in touch. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast, where I interviewed the wonderful Suvda and Buena, famously known as the Contortion Sisters. The Live Like an Acrobat podcast is also available on Circus Talk, the inclusive, independent, and international online network for the circus industry. Circus Talk's mission is to create a level playing field for this industry and democratize access to information. Please consider subscribing to the Live Like an Acrobat podcast and to the circuspreneurblog.com where you will find extended conversations and interactive content of each episode of the Live Like an Acrobat podcast. I'm your host, Shanae Stiletto, and until next time, please stay safe and stay healthy.